Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. I was supposed to preach on uh, July 3rd. I didn't. Uh, so I'm going to preach the same message because it's a timeless message, I believe. And uh, actually, it deals with what we are dealing with today. Do you know that Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the apostle and high priest of our confession? You know that that in the Old Testament, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Jesus said, whosoever shall say to the mountain. Uh, the um, Christianity was known as the great confession. Now, it's more than just confessing your needs, confessing, uh, confessing what you'd like. It is the confession of Jesus. A lot of times when we think of confession, we think of confessing sin, and that's all a part of it. We need to confess our sin because he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but we also need to confess what he says about us. Yes. You know, he says uh, when we receive Christ, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When we, rec- when we receive Christ, we become more than a conqueror. Do you know what a conqueror does? He has to conquer. Yeah. How many of you know that even though the devil has been defeated, he's still not dead? Thank you, Jesus. So we're happy that, uh, that we are a part of the kingdom of God. We're happy that, uh, you know, and even that one song we kept repeating, that is basically a scriptural song. The one part of it I, uh, was taken from Numbers chapter 6, and I believe the other part was uh, taken from Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses, something like that. I could be mistaken, but I know, I know the, the one part was uh, Deuteronomy, or, or Numbers chapter 6. And so um, he, uh, he favors us, he blesses us. So anyway, I want to uh, start with this, and... I want to relate it to today and see if you can uh, grasp the connection. But Jesus goes to his own hometown, and uh, as a pattern, a custom, they hand him the scroll, and it's the scroll of Isaiah. Do you know the, the scroll wasn't a book? The scroll was one, one page that was rolled up. And so Jesus went to this particular part. Now, he had been reading the scripture to them for close to 30 years. But on this particular day, he picks a certain passage because he is going to make a declaration and he's going to give information. 
but uh, he's, he's uh, reading from Isaiah 61, but it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the, to the blind, to set at liberty those that are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he quit, and, he, and he, he stopped, and then he said, this scripture today is fulfilled in your ears. And then all of a sudden, this person that they loved, they became offended with. They became offended with Jesus. They, 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 the scripture doesn't say this, but in their mind they're thinking, who does he think he is? He is the son of Mary. He is, uh, his brothers and his sisters are with us. So who does he think he is? Because really he is declaring, I am the Messiah. And so they become angry and enraged and they try to take him. Nazareth must have been built on uh, a high place because they were going to take him to this place and throw him over the hill mm -hmm. to destroy him. But he walks out from the midst of them. He gets away. I want to tell you that our, our Constitution, the First Amendment, talks about the the First Amendment is the freedom of speech. And our freedom of speech is under attack. And I want to tell you this, that this isn't new. Speech has not just been under attack of late. It has been under attack from the very beginning. From the very beginning. Just uh, be quiet. We don't care what you do inside your four church walls. Just be quiet and don't do anything outside of those four church walls. But Jesus made a declaration and they began to be angry and tried to kill him. The, the spiritual war had already started because you remember when, uh, when uh, Christ took on the body of the baby in Bethlehem, uh, Satan tried to destroy him through Herod. He had all of the babies killed in that region that were two years old and under, but the, but the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and told him to leave the area. So I'm telling you that this war on speech has been going on for a long time, and this war against righteousness. I just want to say that the blood of Jesus Christ has already purchased our freedom. Yep, yep, yep. But we have to stand and take our freedom because there is an element that's trying to take our freedom away. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I know I'm doing good. Tommy's with me today. Hallelujah. So this declaration of liberty was prior to the cross. But he made it prior to the cross. You know, some of us are waiting to make our declaration of freedom when the symptoms are all gone. 
We're waiting to make our uh, we're waiting to make our declaration of freedom when our bills are all paid. We're waiting to make our declaration of independence. Uh, you know, when when all of our problems, your problems are not all going to go away. You know, they're just like weeds. Once you pull one, another one pops up. But hallelujah, there is coming a day when we will have no more problems. Hallelujah, but not here. That's why he has called you an overcomer, but he's because he's called you to... Uh, to fight the battle. Didn't Paul say to Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Well, let me go back to the colonies. When the, when the Declaration of Independence was, was signed, voted on and signed and accepted, that's when the war started. Because they sent that Declaration of Independence to King George and so King George sent all the forces. Am I right? Is it King George? Okay. He corrected me one time before, so <laughs> got to keep an eye on him. But anyway, so King George sends, sends his full force against a ragtag army. And I don't, you know, there are so many, so many preachers that are anti-miracle but we could not have won that revolutionary war without the hand of God yes. to help us yes. to withhold, withstand, and defeat an enemy that was greater than us. Well, they say, well, you know, the French got involved. Well, they got involved at the very end. So anyway, you know, there was a time I was going to boycott French fries. Because uh, I think it had something to do with the Iraq War. I, you know, I think they were they were for the whatever. But uh, so I was going to boycott French fries. Well, I I boycotted French fries and I took up tater tots. So I think that's an American thing. Hallelujah. So anyway, let me when Christ made this declaration. I'm going to call it a declaration of spiritual independence because he is telling, he's telling these people who he is and what he's going to do. So Christ's liberty fed the hungry. Christ's liberty healed the sick. Christ's liberty overcame lack and embarrassment. I'm thinking about uh, the wedding at Canaan. They ran out of wine. They would have been totally embarrassed. But Mary came to Jesus and said, they've run out of wine. And I, I love this. He says, woman, what's that got to do with me? <laughs> we don't know the, uh, how he said it, but he did say it. And then she said, whatever he says to you, do it. And they did it, and the supply was made. Also, Christ's liberty opened the eyes of the blind Christ's liberty healed the lame, forgave the sinner. The sinner, let me just give you that definition. A sinner is someone who breaks the law of God. How many of you've, uh, how many of you've uh, put any gods before him? How many of you have broken the Sabbath? 
How many of you have not honored your father and mother? Well, hallelujah. So we're all there, aren't we? The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin of death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I think I've broken every one of the ten. But hallelujah, the grace of God has washed me and cleansed me and made me a new person in Christ Jesus. And also, the liberty, the freedom, the declaration of Christ brought, uh, he conquered death when he raised from the dead. Christ purchased our liberty, yet he told us we had to hold on to it. And basically, that's what our founding fathers said. They gave us this liberty, but we are to hold on to it because we've got those that are trying to dismantle the Constitution and the freedom that we hold dear. Let's, let's find a scriptural thing for this. He says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. Stand fast. You have to hold on to it, you have to grasp it, and you have to defend it. You have to defend every promise that God has made for it to you because there is one that tries to come to kill, steal, and destroy and to take away that from you. Jesus came that we might have life and life more abundantly. He said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you will find rest unto your soul. So stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. It is possible for us to lose our freedom and be entangled into a slavery again. And not just a racial slavery, but a slavery of the mind, a slavery of action, a slavery of thought, and a slavery of speech. They want to shut it down. But hallelujah, you're going to stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. You know, a lot of times we don't lose, we don't lose it because we give it away. We lose it because we become lethargic. We lose it because we become lazy. And we lose it because we never think, we never think it's going to be taken away. I remember I watched, uh, I used to watch the Patton movie a lot with George C. Scott. And, uh, the Americans were, were at uh, uh, Bastogne, and they were surrounded by the Germans. The Germans were making their last push. And I remember General Patton saying, we don't realize that we could still lose this war. We don't realize that we could still lose this war. You know, freedom has been fought for for century after century after century, and then at times there are nations that have just let it go. They've let it go. We are not going to let it go. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again 
with the yoke of bondage. After we have been freed through Christ's atonement, we must still fight to maintain that freedom. The Bible says, do not be weary in well-doing. How many of you kind of gotten a little weary? It just seems like, man, there's just no way we can win it. They got this on their side. They got that on their side. They've got all this on their side. But he says, be not weary in well-doing, for you shall reap if you faint not. If you faint not. Well, let's look at this. In uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, he says, therefore, be, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You know, arrogance on our part will not win the battle. That's right. That's right. There is a scripture, you know, you might think, well, he's digressing now. Because in 1 Corinthians 13, the Bible says, love never fails. You know, um, I have to still control my thoughts. Do you have to control your thoughts? Okay, just, just wondering. I still have to control my thoughts. There are thoughts that come to my mind. I'm not going to act on them. I'm not going to do them. But I've got to, I've got to walk in love no matter what others are saying and doing. Cussing you, cursing you, spitting on you, threatening you. And Jesus says to walk in love. That doesn't mean to be walked on. Come on now. See, I'm not talking, when, when I'm talking about humility, I'm not talking about let become a doormat so people can walk on you. When you humble yourself, you are humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God, and then He is going to exalt you in due season. He's going to exalt us. So, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. Now, let me just tell you, when you are worrying, you are not humbling yourself. Good preaching. Well, it's just coming out of me, so it ain't me. <laughs> ain't. It ain't me. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's in the dictionary, yeah. It isn't me. So when we, when, we, when we hold on to our cares, when we hold on to our worries, when we try to fix the problem ourselves, you know, uh, someone called me this last week, and they, you know, usually when, uh, people call me, I have a problem. <laughs> they don't, Pastor, I'm just checking up on you. I just, I just want to make sure you're having a great day. And, you know, it's okay. That's what I'm here for. But anyway, they rehearsed the problem. And I'm thinking, man, I don't know what to say. And then I said, uh, I said, you know, we need Solomon. And then I said, let's just pray. And so we prayed. And as soon as I quit, a thought came. And I, I can't tell you. You know, 
But a thought came and I made and I expressed the thought because it was a question. He says, yeah, that's right. That's right. And it adjusted the person. It adjusted. You know, when you call me to fix your spouse, I can't do that. <laughs> because you're the one talking to me. I'm not talking to them. You know that. And besides that, if you can't fix them and God can't fix them, why are you calling me? But, we can help, of course. Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I just want to make a point here that some would even deny that there, is an e that there even is a devil. Actually, our church grew at one time because there was a, a particular church and the pastor was teaching to the youth group and he said there is no literal devil. Well, all of the youth go home and tell their parents and they were fed up with that. So they pulled out and some of them came to us, hallelujah. Some of them might even be here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anyway, there is a literal devil. And God says in verse 9, Resist him steadfastly in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brethren, brotherhood in the world. And we also are familiar with John 10.10, 10, The thief cometh not for to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. Now, to be fair, in context, that is the thief is really not Satan. But it applies to Satan. Because in other parts of the scripture, he is mentioned in that way. So we're going to shift gears a little bit. It's still part of the message of standing fast, therefore, in the liberty and making confession. But I want to finish jogging through James. I'm just tired of jogging, you know. But anyway, uh, I'm going to start in verse 13. There's three questions that James asks in chapter 5. The first one is, is there any suffering among you? Uh, is, is anyone suffering... Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. So, if there's anybody suffering, God says, I want the sufferer to pray. Now, I want to define that word suffering because he's not talking about sickness because he talks about that later in the chapter. He is talking about the troubles of life and also persecution. I mean, if you know, when there was a lot of persecution, not only of the Romans, but also of the Jews. And by the way, James, as we talked about before, he is writing to a Jewish congregation. But we can still learn from the message. So, there are, let me just say this. There are times when the Heavenly Father wants us to come to him for help and not just run to others and ask them to pray for us. 
I have a story I love telling. In my first church, we were living in Kansas City, and, uh, and I, was a, I was an assistant pastor at the time. And there was this girl that I had gone to high school with. She was a member of the congregation. I just loved her because she could play the piano. She couldn't play by ear, but I could put down any piece of music in front of her, and she could play it. I tried to get her to play by ear, but she wouldn't do it. But anyway, she had married somebody that was abusive. Uh, I forget all the things that, were, that was happening. And so she would call my wife, which is scriptural. You know, a lot of times men should minister to men and women to women. So she would call uh, my wife, and she would say, oh, pray for me. My husband's doing this. My husband's doing that. And it wasn't good. And uh, you know, this went on for months. And so um, then one time she called, and she said, oh, Melody, pray for this and this and this. My husband's doing this and this and this. And Melody said, well, why don't you pray? And she says, oh, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that, but, you know, since, since you're a pastor, you're a pastor's wife, then you go ahead and do it. Hey, let me tell you, that God's, there's going to come a point where you're running to somebody else is not going to get the job done. There comes a time when God expects us. He wants a relationship between us or between you and him and not just the horizontal. He wants us to have a relationship with him. Finish the story. Well, I forget the story. The rest. <laughs> I told her I'm not going to pray for your husband. I'm not going to pray for your husband anymore. So she started praying. So she started praying. And within two weeks, he got saved. And within two weeks, he got saved. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Isn't that good? I, didn't, I wouldn't have told her that because I wouldn't, didn't want to lose my piano player. <laughs> Sing us a song, you're a piano man. <laughs> anyway. All right, so the next question is, is anyone cheerful? Let me ask that question. Is anybody cheerful? All right. Some of you say, I'll fake it till I make it. No, no. <laughs> We're going to do it. We are cheerful. Is anyone cheerful? So what are they supposed to do? Let him sing psalms. Let me just say this. Keeping your cheer or joy help, is helped by praise. Yep. Mm. Yeah. You can keep it. You can change the atmosphere of your home. You can change the atmosphere of your car. You can change the atmosphere that's going on in between your two ears. That's the biggest one. Also, praising in trouble is a way to defeat the enemy. Yes. We see that in 2 Chronicles 20, chapter 20, or 20, verse 20. Also, praising keeps the switch of faith turned on. You know, sometimes, you know, uh, there were times when Jesus, you know, he, he, uh, he sent his disciples out and they went out and they, 
heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, you know, they cast out demons. And they came back and they were all, all excited, but then there were other times he said, well, oh, you have little faith. So our faith can fluctuate, but we need to keep the switch of faith turned on and praise and, and cheer is one of the ways, not the only way. Hallelujah. A thought came, no, yeah, a thought came to me. Another way to keep your chair is do not take borrowed offense. Yeah, there you go. What is borrowed offense? You're not offended, but when somebody comes and talks to you and tells you about who they're offended with, then you get offended at them. That's borrowed offense. You can, you can hinder your faith by taking on borrowed offense or just offense in general. And then lastly, he says, is any sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church. Let, him pr let them pray over him, anointing with oil in the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord, by the way, is who? Jesus. Three of us. Okay, <laughs> we got to work on that here. Who, what is the name of the Lord? It's Jesus. Jesus said, in my name, you will cast out demons. You will speak with new tongues. You will take up serpents. You got any takers on that? Yeah. <laughs> I want to tell you a little story, you know, because I'm not really afraid of snakes. And so I go up to my garage and uh, I open the, open the garage door and a snake fell, falls out of the door. Okay. Then the next time I go up, Two snakes fall out of the door when I lift the garage door, and one of them falls on my head. Well, then I think, well, I still didn't uh, induce fear into me, but I thought I better do something about it because <laughs> my grandkids are never going to come up here. <clears throat> so anyway, you know, uh, because of a trick I did, I had to do laundry for a month. I found a dead snake one time. It was in pristine condition. And we had this uh, lawn chair by the front door. So I curled that dead snake up and put its head like this on the body. And so Melody comes home, and me and the kids were inside. And uh, she sees that snake and starts word, shout, shouting unto the Lord. <laughs> no, she was shouting something else. But... Uh, and so anyway, then she gives me this sermon, you know. It's, when you're married to preachers, you, you, I used to get it from Melody, used to get it from my kids. Rebecca said one time, and you call yourself a preacher. <laughs> I mean, it's just tough sometimes. But anyway. But I ran back Wait, 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 wait. Let's let me Well, I'm, I'm done with that. I forgot that, but... Anyway, um, she goes downstairs to do the laundry. We had like a dungeon for a basement. And she comes up and she's screaming and yelling at me. And uh, I said, what are you talking about? She said, you put a snake down at the bottom of the stairs of the... I said, I didn't put any snake down. Yes, you did. So we go over there and it's gone. But it's still in the basement. So guess who gets to do the laundry? <laughs> Hallelujah. So that's enough of snake stories. 
Hallelujah. He's, so the suffering in verse 13 is different from the suffering of the sickness. An act of, uh, as an act of faith for the sick, the sick are to call for the elders of the church. The elders are not supposed to go looking for it. It is an act of faith for the, for the person who is suffering with sickness to call for the elders of the church. And we try to make it easy. We have the, we have the healing team that can, uh, that can pray for you. Um, also, let me just say this. The elders are not the only ones that can pray for the sick. You can pray for the sick. I remember one time, uh, we, was, we were living in Kansas City. I was doing a Bible study, and a, this woman was dismissed from the hospital. She was in pain, and the doctor said they couldn't do anything for her. And so during the middle of, the, of my Bible study, there was a knock at the door, and uh, so some people went out, and uh, then they came back, and they said, would you come out? And so uh, they told me the story of she had been discharged. She was still in pain. The doctors couldn't do anything. And so would you pray? And I said, sure. And she was sitting in the car, and I reached down to go in the car, and God said, don't pray for her. So I'm thinking, well, Lord, you know you're supposed to pray for people. And I just said I was going to pray. He said, don't pray. He said, have, have, the, other, have the other people with you pray. And see, they're brand new Christians. Brand new Christians. So I back out and I said, the Lord, Lord wants you to pray for her. So, you know, and she's in there crying. And uh, they pray for her. And when they're done, she's still crying, but it's tears of joy. Because all of her pain had left. And I asked the Lord, I said, why, why didn't you want me to pray? And he said, because if you would have prayed, they would have looked at you and thought you did it. They said, if they prayed, then they knew, they would know that I did it and that they didn't do it. So let me just say this. If you're, if you're waiting to get to some spiritual level to pray, pray for yourself, pray for somebody else, well, what if it doesn't work? I've, I've prayed for people and they've died. But I made a decision that I would not stop following what Jesus told me to do. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. The anointing with oil is a point of contact. When you anoint someone with oil, they can, by faith, believe that when you touch them with the oil, that that's a point of contact that they can put their faith in. Also, the oil represents the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. One of the things, that if, you are, if you are praying for the sick, one of the first things that I like to do is I like to ask the Holy Spirit to come. It's amazing what happens when you get the Holy Spirit to help you. Amen. When you get the Holy Spirit to help you. If I had more time, I could give you some illustrations, but... I don't want to jog through James anymore. <laughs> it is imperative that we depend on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Without him, we will either accomplish little or nothing. 
Verse 15, he says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, he, uh, he will be forgiven. That word, that word save there is the Greek word sozo, and sozo is also translated heal or protect or preserve. So it could have easily, is, could have easily been translated the prayer of faith will heal the sick. All right, is the prayer, it is the prayer of faith that heals the sick. It is not, uh, you could dump a whole bucket of oil on somebody and if there is no faith, there is no healing. It is the prayer of faith, okay? And there are other, uh, there are other scriptures where the scripture tells us to pray where there is no mention of the oil, but that is a point of contact. So, always promote the attitude, always promote the attitude that God loves the person when you are praying for them. I, uh, I like reading through the Bible, and uh, I just finished, or I'm just about finished with Job. And so when I, when I was reading through Job, and I put this with, uh, with James chapter 5, I saw the connection of Job's comforters. Job's comforters were telling Job, you've sinned and God's punishing you. That's why this has come upon you. And the reality is, is that God was not punishing Job. It was Satan that said, it was Satan that said, let me, let me take everything away from him and he'll deny you. Let me, let me touch his body. Let me take his health away. And some people say, well, God permitted him. Well, the reality is, is Adam already permitted him. Who did God give authority to? Adam and Eve. He gave them authority. He says, uh, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and everything that creeps on the earth. And so in reality, there is a responsibility for us to take authority over the enemy. And didn't Jesus say in the Gospels, Behold, I give you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Verse uh, Verse 16 says this, Confess your trespasses one to another, pray ye one for another, that you may be healed. The, affection, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So confess your trespasses. I remember I, uh, I taught this years ago, and one of the guys after church, he was kind of a vocal person, real vocal, vocal when you didn't want to hear him, but uh, I, remember, I remember him telling everybody, I'm not telling my sins to anybody. I can understand why he had a lot. But, uh, but anyway, I'm not going to tell that. I'm not going to tell my sins to anybody. But the scripture says that if you confess your trespasses one to another, you pray for one another that you may be healed. One of the things, if you are praying for people, you do never, you never ever accuse them of having sin in their life. 
my sister was, uh, uh, had both of her legs amputated at the knees. And uh, she was going to this church, and uh, she was getting prayed for, and uh, one of the pastors of the church told her, the reason you're like this is because you have sin in your life. And I remember she came to me just, it almost makes me want to weep. She came to me weeping, said, Stephen, I have searched my heart. I have searched, and I can't find anything. We never, ever accuse people. We can ask. We can, uh, one of the things, uh, I was in Brazil, and uh, there was this woman. She had just drainage out of her sinuses, out of her eyes and everything, and she came forward, and I started to pray for her, and the Holy Spirit just said unforgiveness. And I just stopped, and I just said, is there anybody that you are not forgiving? She said, and she told me, she said, my husband and I have been fighting. And he was standing right there. Well, that's fine, you know. So I said, would you both be willing to forgive? Well, I just really said it to her. Would you be willing to forgive? And they both shook their head yes. And I led them through a, a prayer of repentance. And by the time we were done, she didn't need prayer for healing. It was, all, it was already dried up, already cleared. So we never, ever, 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 ever accuse people of having sin. In their, and you might even know it. But it's them that has to make the confession. It's not you dragging it out of them. Amen. Just a thought. So anyway, we always promote an attitude of love and let them know that the Father loves them. I've seen many confess their unforgiveness and receive healing. Faith works by love. Let me just give you the last, last two scriptures of uh, James... We're done. We're crossing the finish line. I can feel the tape across my chest. Woo! Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. I want you to get this, you know, because we put the prophets and we put these people on pedestals. It says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heavens gave the rain, and the earth produced its fruit. God does not elevate the ministry of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher above the rest of the body of Christ. Amen. This isn't a pyramid. We are on the same level. We are on the same level. We have different ministries. We have different functions. We have different callings, but we are none of us better than another. And once we get rid of that attitude that, we're, that we think we're better than others, we're going to see more people come to Christ in the name of Jesus. 
Okay. So Jesus said in John 14, he said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me. Do we have any believers in here? I want to see, I want to see, okay, I see that head, okay, okay. Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes, doesn't say he who's an apostle, doesn't say he who's a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, says he who believes the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. And, the, and what he does when he goes to the Father, he sends the Holy Spirit. That's why we ask for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified Amen. in the Son. And I, ta I take it back. I didn't finish James. He says in uh, James 5, 19 and 20, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back. You know, someone could be you. Yep. You know, you don't have to call, hey, pastor, I got somebody over here that, you know, well, that's okay sometimes, but the reality is that sometimes you can turn them from the truth or turn them back to the truth, I'm sorry. It says, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Wouldn't you like that? Uh, wouldn't you like to go to sleep some night thinking how you ministered to somebody and they turned back to the Lord and they turned away from their sins. Man, wouldn't that be sl sweet sleep? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, God's got that available for every believer. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, we are believers that you have said that we have, uh, when we believe in you, we become more than conquerors through him who loved us. You said greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world. We are not going to be silent. The, the redeemed of the Lord are going to say so. We're going to speak your truth. We're going to speak your word and we're going to speak your principles and live by them in the name of Jesus. I'm going to ask for the uh, healing team to come up.